The Subscription Box Show, episode 29. Hey, this is Anthony Coombs from Splendies. And if you want to learn how anyone can start or grow a successful subscription box, then you have to listen to The Subscription Box Show with my good friend, Eric Musa. There's a lot to learn when it comes to e-commerce and subscription boxes. Whether you're a new or existing business, your list of questions can seem endless and daunting. Welcome to the Subscription Box Show, where you'll hear high-quality, unbiased views and strategies from top industry leaders. Whether we're talking one-on-one with business professionals or deep-diving into thought-provoking case studies, we'll find the answers to your questions. Because this is the show you've been waiting for. Now, let's think inside the box with your host, Eric Music. Welcome to the Subscription Box Show. I'm your host, Eric Music, and I want to help you build, grow, and even start your very own subscription box business. Tune in three days a week as I interview the top entrepreneurs, leaders, and subscription box owners in the industry. You'll be able to take their knowledge, experience, and expertise and apply it to your business. Today's guest is Anthony Coombs of Splendies. Splendies is a surprise subscription of three pairs of quality undies delivered to your door every month. Splendies has been ranked in the top 10 for women's subscription boxes for underwear in both Urban Taste Bud and My Subscription Addiction. They have also been featured in The Curvy Fashionista, NBC News, and WellandandGood.com, amongst others. Anthony Coombs started Splendies in 2013, with it originally being called Voluptes. Fast forward seven years, and now Anthony is a well-known entrepreneur in the subscription industry. He has spoken at SubSummit and Subta, arguably the two biggest subscription conferences in the world, in 2018 and 2019, respectively. On today's episode, Anthony and I discuss what it takes to grow a company from nothing using effective methods when bootstrapping, like word of mouth. We also discuss when it's appropriate to start hiring members for your team and where they fit into your company. I cannot wait to share with you my conversation with Anthony, but first, I want to quickly ask you to please share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from it. Best place to send them is to the subscriptionboxshow.com. The website will have everything you need to share with your family and friends. I'll also have a link in the show notes with everything you need there. I'd also ask you to please rate and review the show on iTunes and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. The downloads will ultimately help the show and will grow the audience. So thanks in advance for that, and thank you for taking the time out of your lives for listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate every single one of you. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Anthony Coombs of Splendies. Anthony Coombs from Splendies.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, man. Really appreciate having you on. So, Anthony, maybe let's go back in time here and tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and how do you think that shaped you? Sure. I I grew up, I was born in New York City, um, but I'm not a New Yorker. I left when I was five years old. So, uh, I'm definitely not a typical New Yorker. I grew up in Northern Florida and Tallahassee and um, have lived now in California for the last seven years, actually. but for the most part, I would say I'm Floridian. I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia on the East Coast. And uh, how that shaped me would be mainly my uh, grandparents would have shaped me into going into the entrepreneurship background. 
they owned actually a small flea market stand. Um, and I would go with them when I was like maybe eight, seven, eight, nine years old in Florida and help them sell stuff on the weekends. So right off the bat, you always had kind of that entrepreneurial upbringing. Were your parents entrepreneurial as well? No, no, not at all. I wouldn't say my grandparents necessarily were either. It was sort of out of necessity that they did that. And so I just sort of was around at the time when they were you know, running this flea market store. It was very small. I mean, one little booth and yeah, I would go with them and help them out. And I just really enjoyed selling. So right off the bat, this was when you said you were seven or eight years old. There was that seed that was planted into you, that entrepreneurial seed. How did that continue throughout your, you know, your upbringing up until high school and eventually college? Um, yeah. So I actually went into college with the idea of wanting to be a talk show host, to be quite frank. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wanted to go into broadcasting. And I think one of the cool things about college is you get a chance to explore a lot of different things. And so when I went into do broadcasting, I actually broadcasted a couple of college baseball games and realized, you know, I love sports, but I don't love broadcasting. It's not something I want to do. Um, and then I was going to go into politics and actually interned in, uh, on Capitol Hill and really found that that wasn't for me either. And I'd always wanted and had the idea of maybe starting something. And so I started my first company when I was a sophomore in college, just to kind of like understand about business and stuff like that. So uh, I wouldn't say it's been always, but definitely since maybe uh, mid-high school, the thoughts were there. The thoughts were there. Where did you go to school, by the way? Like college? Uh, for, for college? Uh, University of Pennsylvania. Of Pennsylvania. Okay. So you said now you're in California. So right after school, did you start business right away? So is this something you knew? Okay, now, you know, politics wasn't for you. Broadcasting wasn't for you. Today now, since 2013, you've had your company, Splendies, which we'll get into right away. But was it something you were had the back of your mind? You wanted to get into business right away? Or did you start working and then that maybe you met someone or something got that, that next level of, I got to start my own thing? No, no. I, was, I started my first company back as a sophomore, as I said, and that was a mosaic tile business. So it was an arts and crafts sort of online thing. And it was very much selling stuff on eBay very early. Back, actually, people would send us checks. So this was, my God, like before PayPal. <laughs> and I feel old. And I remember when PayPal first came out because it was like, oh my God, we don't have to wait for someone to send us a check, wait for it to clear, then send the stuff. So it was really, really groundbreaking at the time. But um, no, I, I wanted to always sort of like do my own thing after that and kind of like learning the fundamentals of business, understanding like how things run and how to put up a website and all that sort of stuff. I've always really been into online online sales. So Splendies is an underwear company. Yeah. And as far as I know, it's only for women. I've been doing some research on your company. There's nothing for men, but I want, I'll get into that later on. So sure. just curious here, like Splendies, how did this idea come about and why a subscription model? Sure. So um, actually my cousin uh, had an idea for plus size company and I thought it was a really good idea. She didn't have an experience in running uh, a company and um, she was like, all right, well, this is something that I think, you know, you might be interested in looking at. I was like, yeah, I think this can work. And so I thought that, yeah, this is something that has a really cool uh, message because at the time, no one was doing plus size underwear. Um, it was mainly nudes, blacks, whites, and no one was really doing sexy and fun uh, underwear for the plus size community. And so really kind of took with that. And so the company started off as plus size only. 
And then uh, after running it for a little while, someone actually suggested, you know, I think it's really cool. Uh, you should do that for non-plus. And I didn't think, you know, maybe it was a good idea. But then um, she was like, yeah, I would totally do that. The idea being that there's so many options for non-plus people to get their underwear. And at the time, there really weren't that many places for plus-size women to get their underwear. And so, yeah, after we did that, we started Splendies. So Splendies actually came after uh, Voluptis, which was the first uh, iteration of the company. Yeah, and you can see on the site. Size. Yeah, and you kind of still honor that name. There's, a, I think it says that's one of that's what you call the plus size brand on your website, correct? No. Yes, and there's a specific reason for that. It started out. A lot of people don't know this, but it started out as Voluptis first, and for the first few months, it was only plus size. And the plus size community was very, very into it, and they really liked the idea of something just for themselves, just for their own. And there was its own Facebook page, um, everything. It became very difficult to run both a Splendies brand and a Voluptis brand. And so the decision was made maybe like a couple years after to just make sure it's just all under one, one brand, um, which made a lot of sense. But we still like to keep it there just because a lot of the women do really like to have their own sort of thing. And there are still some differences between the two, for sure. So take me back in 2013. This is when Splendies starts. Was there a lot of competition when you started? And what was maybe one of the things that was keeping you up at night. Maybe it was competition that was in the area. You said no, there was nothing. I there was nothing in the plus size, but there was probably was there any, even in any subscription box model for underwears at the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> didn't we didn't invent underwear, and so this is very very natural that people would do underwear, and there were quite a lot of competition. There's still a lot of competition. I actually tell people if you're starting out not to really look at that and worry about the competition too much because you're way too small to really impact it right at the beginning for the most part. So really just kind of focus on what you are doing. And so not to get off on tangent, but one of the biggest mistakes we made at the start was there were other companies, many other companies doing the same thing. They had a very, very low price point and we want to make ours affordable. That was always important, but we kind of got into a pricing war at the beginning. And that's not, that's like one of the worst things to do. You really don't want to do that. It's way easier to come down on price and it is to go up. But yeah, tons of competition for sure. So what was one of the things that you had to pivot with? Was it value? If you can't, you can't win the race to the bottom, you had to add some kind of value. And what was maybe a way you guys looked at doing that? Um, well, I think um, the experience really is the most important thing. And people don't, I don't know if people in the subscription box world kind of quite understand how important it is for people to subscribe and get their box in time. It's really, really important. I mean, people don't want to order something, have to email, where is it? Why isn't it here yet? That sort of thing. Coming up with different and unique options is really cool too, really important. So it's not the same thing over and over again. It's, it's a lot. It's always been a lot. It's not simple. We don't send the same thing all the time. There's a lot of planning that goes into making sure that each box is different enough from the others to where it's something that's really fun, something interesting, something that's new, but not so off the wall and different. And we've tried that in the past that it alienates the people who have kind of, you know, been with you the whole time. The example I always give in that is back in the 90s, Pearl Jam was very, very big. And one of the things about Pearl Jam is, actually, Dr. Dre is another good example too. They're both hugely popular artists, but anytime a Pearl Jam song or like a Dr. Dre song would come on, you're like, oh, I know, that's, that's Dr. Dre, right off the bat. That's Pearl Jam, right off the bat. So it would be very strange for them to, for Pearl Jam to come out with like a country music record or for like, you know, Dr. Dre to like, you know, 
do, do something completely off the wall. Even though it's a similar thing, you can't be so different that it's going to alienate the people who are really into what you're doing. So that's really important. I think that's really important. So when you started, just curious, did you guys bootstrap your business or was it something you guys had some funding? Uh, all bootstrapped. All bootstrapped. So what was one yeah. of the main things like, so it's in, when you're talking about underwears, like did you have to get it out manufactured yourself or are you guys emailing out to suppliers and finding creative ways that way? How did you, what was the biggest concern there in the beginning? Financially, the biggest concern or just the biggest concern in general? Maybe just in general, because if you're bootstrapping, you can't order massive amounts of underwear. Nope. If you're trying to get a good price point, how, how did that all come about? Well, there's going to be some tough times and you have to sort of understand that you don't have a runway to make a lot of mistakes. And that's what I think. Uh, I've never run a company that's been uh, funded. Uh, I've always bootstrapped everything and you know, it's worked out. You count every penny. It's very important. You have to. Uh, I think it goes without saying, but you, you can't, you use a lot of word of mouth. That is probably the biggest thing. We didn't advertise for two and a half years. Didn't spend a, like, no, I should say we didn't spend a dime, um, but we didn't spend much money on advertising at all for two and a half years. And it was really all just through word of mouth. And that's making sure that the customers get everything as much as they can. We, I mean, some of the stuff that we were doing then, there's no way we could do it now where people would you know, say, hey, I really want you know, this pair. And so it was, it was fine. We could like find this exact specific pair for them and almost like curate something. We could never do that now as it is, but that's the sort of thing that you can do at the beginning. Not everything is scalable. And you do reach a point where you have to sort of say, hey, is this scalable or is this not scalable? But at the beginning, I would 100% focus on making sure that the product is good. No one's going to stick around. The product isn't good. And that you are explaining what you're selling, the offer, and that the people get it in a timely manner. Those three things are the most important things at the beginning, especially. And count every penny. It's really important. Yeah, I love those. For people that are bootstrapping out there, word of mouth is, is something that keeps coming up. If you're bootstrapping, obviously, the product has to be good and the customer experience has to be ultimately good, which is, sounds like you yeah. guys focused a lot on the customer experience. So do some of those word of mouth things you guys did in 2013 still apply seven years later? For, so if someone's listening and just starting out now and they, they hear word of mouth, what's a good way to go about that today? It's all been written about and this is all... It's so funny. I, I think about all this information is out there, but mm -hmm. people don't pay attention to it, but it's literally in front of your face. Um, if you have someone who really likes your product and they're emailing and they're really into it and they're posting about it, you know, bring them on board. Have them be an advocate for what you're doing. You can't stress that enough. There's, I have never asked any friends or family to subscribe to Splendies. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of my good friends don't even know what we do. <laughs> and that's, and that's fine. Like it yeah. doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. The point being is that your friends and family are never going to be upfront and honest about what you're doing ever, because at the end of the day, they want to, you know, keep everything happy, keep you pleased, but customers will tell you straight up hundred percent. Yes or no. Is this working? Is this not? So if you're able to get someone to really advocate for your advocate for your business, you have to make sure that they are out front Heck, you know, give them product if they want. That's fine because they're going to promote it better than anything else. I can sit here and tell you Splendies is, you know, the best subscription box out there. And I think that would be a fact. But I'm just joking. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, nothing's going to do that more than an actual customer doing that. I mean, when you think about how amazing it is that you come up with an idea, you 
there, an idea is, is cultivated, you start out and you put it out there and then someone, some stranger that's never seen this before, maybe never heard about it, just happened upon your website, decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put my credit card information, give this person, this unknown entity, their money and hope that it all works out. That's a huge thing. And so I think anyone who's able to get that first sale should be really happy and really, they should be very happy that they're able to do that because it's not that easy to do. It's really, it's really important. Yeah, there's something about that first sale when it goes through. And like I mentioned off air, we, uh, we also have a subscription box company. So that first customer that buys it that you don't know, that's not a friend or a family. Um, it's pretty exciting for sure. How much value do you put on... Obviously, there's a lot, but for someone who's maybe looking to get credibility on their website, you see a lot of the popular subscription box companies have, you know, like BuzzFeed or Forbes or whatever it is that advocates that they were on or they're featured on those platforms. How important is it to quickly get in front of some, yes, word of mouth with your, your favorite customers but, or your biggest customers, but in front of people that have a little more, I don't know how you would say, it, a little more pull or a little more uh, say in the, uh, in the social media world? Sure. Um, well, I think the majority of the American buying public, and I can only speak for America, is pretty savvy and aware of influencers and about paid editorials. So, and I'm not, and I love influencers. We work with influencers, we pay influencers, but at the beginning, you may not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, again, I, nothing is better than word of mouth. It, like, I think that people think because it's word of mouth that it's not as impactful as paid or um, spend. But what, these are genuine people who are going to tell their friends and family. That is huge. There's the first part, can you get someone to purchase? right? Yeah. They're not coming back unless they have a good experience. And they aren't going to tell their friends unless they have an exceptional experience. <laughs> so when you're starting out, you really want to try and give that exceptional experience right off the bat. And to this day, as we've grown a lot, we really do try to give an exceptional experience to every single person. Can't say we always hit that because it's, it's very, very difficult. Like if we had 10 customers, we would, you know, hand deliver if we could everything to them. We, you know, we can't do that, but we really try to make the experience exceptional because you see, if you see an influencer talking about the product, um, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, that might be a different sort of thing, but now it's sort of like, well, they're probably getting sponsored. They're probably, you know, it's not the same as, you know, your roommate or your friend telling you, Hey, have you tried this? It's really important. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, and I think maybe that's where micro influencers come in. I know like we're bootstrapping our company, so we're not at any level where like, for example, where Splendies would be at. So for us, we still use, um, we can't pay influencers, but we're giving them product that fit our niche. And I think that's a good way to, if they're willing to do that and you have a good product, they're going to, they will be willing to do it. And that's a good way to get in front of yeah, maybe. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get into some different tactics of growing and scaling uh, once we get back from thanking our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Louis and Leia. Father's Day is just around the corner and Louis and Leia are excited to launch their very first box just for men, the Just for Dad box. This is the perfect gift for any dad in your life, regardless of his age. I know dads are super hard to shop for, so this is a fun box with four items that he will love, but would have never bought for himself. Things he'll be able to use over and over again for years. Don't want everything in the Just for Dad box? No problem. 
You can buy all four items individually in the new Louis and Leia custom shop. Louis and Leia offer many amazing gift ideas that are sure to spoil the mom, baby, and now dad in your life. Visit louisandleia.com and make sure to use discount code FATHERSDAY10 for 10% off and free shipping on the Just for Dad box. But hurry, as this offer will surely sell out. Head over to louisandleia.com to get your dad his gift now. That's Louis, L-O-U-I-S, and Leia, L-E-A, dot com. Louis and Leia, helping better prepare parents from birthday to birthday. Okay, we're back with Anthony Coombs from Splendies. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, word of mouth and different ways we can use uh, that to grow when you're st- first starting out. But now that, let's say, you're starting to grow, what's a good way, Anthony, maybe uh, for companies that are a little more established down the road to look at ways to scale their business, uh, not only with word of mouth, obviously, continuing that is always a good thing, but maybe with maybe some uh, some paid advertising. Sure. Um I love paid. I think it's a game changer. What you have to do is figure out what channel works best for your company and then try and go in on that as much as you can. It's very hard, not impossible, but it's very hard to have an approach where you're the best on Facebook, you're the best on Instagram, you're the best on Twitter, you're the best on Pinterest, you're the best on TikTok, you're the best on Snapchat. If you can become the best in your niche at one of those, you're probably better off, especially at the beginning, because if you spread yourself so thin, you're basically kind of like middle bottom of each of the platforms, as opposed to trying to be, you know, the top of just one of them. That is what is what I would say as far as pay goes is probably the best thing for people to do. Because if you think that you're going to be able to win on every single channel, that's really, really hard to do. Not impossible, but very, very hard, especially bootstrapping. Yeah. When you guys were starting, was that maybe the first thing you guys paid someone as a as a hire? Was that your first hire? Was paid advertising? No, we still don't have paid advertising. Um, sorry, we we do, but we don't have a hire on that. That's all internal. We've been approached many times, and but no, that's all internal. No, the first hire was customer service, and she's still with us to this day. Nice. And yeah, and um, as far as hiring goes, this is something I, I've talked about a lot, and I think about a lot. So people, you know, sometimes ask, you know, who should my first hire be? And people kind of think, well, it should be the thing that I'm the worst at doing. And it's actually not necessarily the case. If you're a small entrepreneur and you're starting out, you're going to learn pretty early that you're going to, you're just going to have to become good at a lot of things. Not an expert, but you're going to have to become good at a, a lot of stuff that is on in the day to day. You really want to hire for the thing that you hate to do the most. That is where your first hire should come because if you have to do something that you absolutely despise, but it's essential to the company, then it will shorten your life expectancy within the company because you're doing something that you really don't enjoy to do. Um, I personally believe I'm one of the better customer service reps out there. I really do feel that way. I'm very good at it. I will listen. I will go through everything. I'm very thorough. Uh, and I've taught my team. And now we have you know other people teaching team how to do this. However, it's not something in which every single day it would be something for me to do. And so it was best for me to bring someone on who could take that away to where she enjoys it. She's good at it. And she can do it to where I can be freed up to do other things. So I really think that the first hire should be the thing that you really don't want to do the most 
because at the end of the day, that will take, will shorten your, your lifespan and what you're doing. Like I personally love marketing. I love marketing and I also love product. So, you know, it's not really work to me to do that. And so, yeah, I can continue to do that for as long as you know, I can. What about for the entrepreneur that that's their baby? And so let's say customer service, they've always done the customer service and they have a hard time letting it go because people know the owner or the person they've been interacting with. What would you say is a good way to implement maybe a system or something to let that go? Because you said you were great at customer service. And when you had yeah. to let that go as your first hire, was that kind of one of those difficult things to let go? No, no, that's the whole point. It wasn't yeah. difficult to let go because I really wanted someone to take this over. Um, that, that's, that's literally what I'm saying is that you want to have someone take over something that you don't necessarily want to do, even if you're good at doing it. As far as the entrepreneur who can't necessarily let go of certain things, I think we all struggle with that because it is your baby. You've, you've started this from the get-go, but you have to decide, you know, kind of like where you want to take the company. And one of the things with Splendies is I, I never really anticipated to grow to where we've grown. And it's been, it's been really cool to see. But as you are growing and as you are scaling, you pretty much realize at some point, I can't package everything. At some point, I can't answer every single email. At some point, I can't do all the product. And so you have to start, you have to force yourself to let things go or you're not going to be able to grow. If you're okay with being at a certain level, and I think that's totally fine. I really do. I, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs get into this thing of, of, if I'm not creating the next Google, then it's a failure. Absolutely not. You know, I, I think if you have a subscription box that has 100 people, 100 subscribers, 200 subscribers, and they really like what you're doing and you're enjoying what you're doing, then you should pat yourself on the back, be very happy. And I think that's an awesome, awesome accomplishment because not everyone can get to that point. Very few people can start, let alone get to a place where you get to 100, 200 um, monthly subscriptions. And so... If, but, but if you do want to make that decision to grow it, you just have to force yourself to know that you can't do everything. It's not going to happen. No, absolutely. At, at some point, you do have to get some help if you need to grow. No, no question about it. So just quickly to circle back on the ad stuff, you mentioned you can't be the best at every one of them, but just kind of focus on one. I just had a follow-up question on that. Which is one you guys follow up the most? Because I kind of seen you guys have some stuff on YouTube. You guys have some stuff on Instagram and Facebook, obviously. What's the one you would you guys personally concentrate on the most? Well, it's changed over the years. You know, we did a lot of YouTube um, in the beginning. We do a lot of Facebook now and uh, Instagram. So those would be the two, Facebook and Instagram. So when you say YouTube, is it something where it was you guys doing videos or was it something where you had influencers? Uh, influencers. Yeah. Influencers. And how much do you put on for Facebook now and ads? Like you guys, everything internal, you said. For someone maybe starting out, how much do you put on having the owners as the face of the company getting on screen or is it something you should concentrate on more of the product? Where would you go with that? Product. It's all product. It has to be product. It has to be product. So what's one kind of promotion you guys have found that's been super useful or um, effective for your company? In order to try and get people to uh, subscribe? Yeah. Subscribe or audience growth just to get more eyes on your what you guys are doing. Uh, I think one of the things, referral programs, I know, again, I know it's cliche, but um, people who like your product are going to tell other people about your product. And if they can be incentivized and get something out of that, then they're, you know, why not? And so that's been really, really good for us. And we've had that 
we've had some iterations of it, but that's something where you know people not only are getting something that they enjoy, but now they're getting their friends to enjoy it. And the thing about the referral program, which why it's so it, it has the potential to be so viral, is I don't know of anyone who has done a referral program without saying, here's what the offer is, and here's what I get out of it. And then the person who's get who's helping them get that, they are themselves saying, Oh, I can get this too. It's built-in virality. Hmm. Like there's no reason not to have one. It's it's good. That's powerful. So what would be one of the back-end things you would need to? So if someone's got a Shopify store, like what do you guys use, by the way? Uh, so we're on CrateJoy. On CrateJoy. So they do they have something built in for a referral program? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. So that's all built into that CrateJoy system. So I mean, it doesn't matter if you're using CrateJoy. I'm assuming Subly, WooCommerce, Shopify, they all have something where you can... Implement yes. a referral uh, program. I know. For, yeah. So those are great points. So whatever you guys are using, uh, make sure you make to it simple. Whatever your referral program is, just make it really simple to where the the, per, the customer doesn't have to jump through hoops. Because that's the other thing. They don't want to jump through hoops. How do you notify them about the, your referral programs? Uh, it's right in the beginning, first email that they get. Okay. So it's right off the bat. Yeah. Right off the bat, we really want them to share it with their friends. Okay, so when it comes to scaling your business, what would you say is the one thing uh, that helped you and your business uh, move forward more than anything else? Sure, I think about this all the time. To this to this day, I think about it every day. Uh, having a growth mentality, it's almost a switch that you have to turn on in your head. I'm not the best at it, and I make a ton of mistakes. And I still, we we had a day in which. And not everyone who's starting out are going to know about chargebacks and understand what those are. But I can say that. And so what a chargeback is, it's when a customer has gone to their credit card company and stated that they were charging correctly. And the way this works is that they are going to get their funds back. And then you as the owner, you as the company have to then fight it. And it's a kind of a long fight. It's not that simple. <laughs> and many times and to try and get the money back. And so I can say in seven years, and I'm very proud of this, that we've never once erroneously charged a customer. Um, we've never, ever done anything like that. We really stand behind what we do. I'm not saying mistakes haven't happened. If, if a mistake has happened, then we'll refund it. No question about it. But you know, we're not doing anything in which is you know, uh, unbecoming. Uh, so we, we had like, I think, four or five in a day. And I went through them all. And I'm like, no, none of the, you know, we, we said, no, we shift everything. Either the, you know, they maybe canceled after the, the canceled date. Um, we shipped them their product. It was confirmed. I think one of them, it was actually the, the confirmation set handed to the person at this address. So we knew that we didn't do anything wrong. And so it was, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything today. I'm just going to work on these. And it was about four or five hours to like, and again, chargebacks are not the simplest thing to fight. It's about four or five hours to do this. And about two months later, none of them came back in our favor. None of them. And it was like, that five hours I spent doing this really wasn't worth. I could have done so much more in that time. Unfortunately, we've lost those customers. I know we didn't do anything wrong, but having a growth mentality is basically saying, all right, got to move, just keep moving, got to move forward. That's something which you just have to kind of turn on in your head. And that goes to, it's not just with chargebacks, it's with every aspect of the business that you kind of have to have in order to sort of scale. That is the most important thing, I think. Yeah, I love that. The growth mentality. Just, I guess, a quick question, side question on this. With everything going on right now with COVID, have you guys had to kind of do anything different with everything going on? Or have you guys found growth to continue? Or has it kind of been a little affected by this? 
No, growth is uh, continuous, but fine. Um, we've had to reset expectations on shipping. And we've really tried to convey and be upfront with our customers that, you know, what we, how we used to ship, you know, we probably aren't going to be able to get your stuff as quickly. Uh, you will get it, but it's not going to be as fast. The United States Postal Service is slower. Canada Post has been delayed. It's a worldwide thing. And so we're just asking people to understand that, you know, things are going to be slower. That's been the major, the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think as long as the communication is open, people are are usually pretty good, I would assume. So we're running out of time here. Uh, so we're going to go into the unboxing round. But before that, just quick question here. And this is just a little fun question I like to have, like the last question. If you could start any new subscription box tomorrow from scratch, uh, what would be your target demographic? Or do you have a specific box uh, I have like five in my head. But <laughs> I'm not going to go into it here. But in all seriousness, I literally have like five in my head right now. The main thing I would say if you're going to start a box, yeah, it's really about figuring out your product market fit. When I started out, there was this company called Launch Rock. I'm not sure if they're still around, but it's a what it was. It was a landing page where you can essentially get to collect emails, and it's it was such a simple, easy to use tool where you would go on and come up with an idea and then say, all right, maybe this will work. Maybe this won't. Now, again, the idea there was kind of fleshed out by a cousin, but there was also some, you know, I'm not really sure if this is going to work. Maybe some other stuff might be better. And it's such a simple, easy way to figure out, is this something that can work? And then the other thing I would say is, after you think that you've figured out your product market fit, price your product where you need to be priced. So many people get into the mistake of looking at the competition, seeing, well, they're at, I'm just throwing out a random number, $20. Well, then we're going to be at $15. Mm. But you're barely making it by doing that. I, I think it's a huge mistake that a lot of people fall into. So price it to where you need to price it. And they will come if, if they think the product is good enough. Yeah, the value's there and the offers are good. I think, yeah, I agree. You, should, you got to be profitable from the start. So with that, we're going to move over to the unboxing round. Are you ready? Sure. What is the most frequently asked question you get asked from your customers? Can we buy the underwear separately? Okay. If you could hire anyone as your mentor or coach, who would it be and why? Man, I don't know. We're going to do this rapid fire. I would have to think about that pretty deep. But it would be someone doing something similar to me at a much higher level. I want to give a shout out to uh, Matt Aravalo from Loot Crate. Um, he was a mentor to me and he really took you know, some time to kind of tell me, you know, hey, I think you should be doing this. Maybe you should try this, that sort of stuff. And he was very helpful at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. And before, yeah, just to quickly touch on that, a lot of, uh, I've had a few guests actually name, name Matt from Loot Crate. So uh, oh, he must uh, yeah. be, yeah, he must have a huge influence for sure. Yeah. Free shipping or paid shipping? Free shipping, for sure. What is one thing you know now that you wish you would have known when you first started your subscription box? Oh, that the cost of shipping goes up very quickly, constantly, and all the time. I uh, did not know that uh, the United States Postal Service and shipping in general literally goes up every six months. I would have loved to know that. Who is the most influential person you know in the subscription box industry? Oh, man, that's another man. You got some good questions here. Um, Yosef Martin from Boxy Charm. Is really really good. He knows he knows this, like the back of his hand. Love it. 
If there was one type of product or subscription box you'd say to steer clear of, what would it be and why? Anything, not necessarily the product. I, I, I think that you can, you can sell a lot of stuff online. Just don't overcomplicate. Anytime I see something that's just insanely complicated, especially if you're bootstrapping, that gets tough. So just try to make it as simple as possible. What is your favorite subscription box? Believe it or not, I am not subscribed to anything. <laughs> and I do believe it because a lot of it's funny. Like a lot of guests say that it's, they have a subscription box company, but they don't have a subscription themselves. You're just so into what you're doing every single day mm-hmm. that like, I wouldn't even remember if I ordered it. So no, I don't, I'm not subscribing to anything. Yeah, I know. I get it. Anything in the mix coming up with your company that you would like to share? Yeah. Well, the first question, um, what is the most frequently asked question from the customers uh, is that they like to purchase their own underwear from us. So we literally just launched that two days ago. Um, it's the shop, the Splendy shop. And uh, that's been about nine months in the making. So that's really cool. And people have been really into that already. So yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the thing which has just started. So really looking forward to that. Yeah, the new shop. A lot of people uh, with subscription box companies are, have been starting. That. I think it's just from listening to customers, right? They want uh, maybe they love your underwear. For your in your case, they love your underwear, but they don't need you know they don't want to be tied down to a subscription. They can still purchase your underwears, right? Yeah, well, I think for what we found, we were getting so many people who loved the subscription. They love the underwear, but they may have gotten like one pair um, like a few months ago. And they really, really liked it, but they weren't able to get that one because we had sold out of it. So actually, um, there are a few buy-sell trade groups of Splendies where people will trade. So it's like communities. There's a group of over 5,000 people who uh, get together. They have a a swap day where they all trust one another and they're all uh, friends. And they'll say, hey, I got this one. This one really isn't for me. Uh, What'd you get? That sort of thing. So it's been really interesting to see that uh, grow. But uh, I think with the shop, you know, they have one place they can go to. They can get stuff directly from us if it's something that they really missed out on or they really wanted. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I usually don't do this. One more side question on that. I noticed when you go to your shop, it opens up a separate page in the browser. Is that a backend thing? Uh, no. So the shop is on Shopify. And so we decided to have it completely separate mm-hmm. um, from the subscription. So it's, it's all different. Everything is different from that. That's why yeah. we had to kind of build it from scratch. Okay, makes sense. And this is a custom question for you. Why don't you have men's underwear on your website? Sure. So um, I don't need to ask you the last time you purchased underwear, but the average man uh, changes their underwear every nine years. Women do it a lot more frequently. <laughs> so that's your answer. It's oh, funny. Um, and what's the best place for our listeners to connect with either you or Splendies? Sure. Team at Splendies.com. That's our um, customer support. And, you know, they can reach me there. Uh, member from the team, you know, will always get in touch with me and stuff like that. But yeah, this in closing, if you're starting out, um, it's really a fun experience to kind of like start out. You're like an artist where you get to have a blank canvas and then you get to put something together that you hope people will enjoy. Um, and never be discouraged that, you know, if you, again, I, I really think if you have like a hundred subscribers and they're happy and people really look forward to this, that's awesome. Congratulations. And if you decide that you want to make a change and you want to try and grow, because I'll tell you with Splendies, um, again, for the first two and a half, almost three years, there wasn't really any advertising. And it was, it was a complete switch where it was like, okay, no, let's, let's, I want to try and make this bigger sort of thing. 
Yeah, well, there you go. I was I was going to finish off with asking you if you had one last parting piece of advice, but I think you just nailed it. So <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Anthony Coombs from Splendies. And we're going to have all the rest of the stuff for people to connect with you and your company in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode of the Subscription Box Show. Anthony definitely dropped a ton of value today and starting your business from nothing to growing it by word of mouth and eventually getting into ad spends. If you want more information from Splendies or Anthony, then please head over to Splendies.com or simply check out the show notes with all the links and information you need to get a hold of Anthony or Splendies. Or if you simply want to connect with me. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Eric Music. And remember, words can inspire, thoughts can provoke, but only action truly brings you closer to your dreams. That's all for this episode of the Subscription Box Show. But your next unboxing is only a few clicks away. Head over to the subscriptionboxshow.com to connect with your host on social media or book a call to give your input on today's episode and what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes of the Subscription Box Show. Remember, don't be afraid of change. Be afraid of standing still. 